All right, welcome into the Chris Collinsworth podcast, starring Richard Sherman and uh, co-starring now George Shahuri, who has become our regular to do all things data and PFF related, which is fantastic. And I'm sure he's going to be all over the fact that he's eight one and one in his picks, and this is going to be a pain in the ass, but we'll try to work our way through it. But we want to welcome you to the podcast. And as always, we're sponsored by DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You can use the promo code PFF when you sign up and get 257 to 1 odds if you bet $1 on Connor McGregor this Saturday night. There you go. It doesn't even have to be about football. That's a little pregame warm-up for you. And then you can go over and, and uh, work on the football games after that. We've got a fantastic show. We're going to talk about some of the coaching changes. Uh, Richard with some very strong opinions on what's going on there. Uh, and then we're going to get into these two teams uh, in the AFC and two teams in the NFC in great depth. We're going to go into some major detail to help you out, whether you're making picks, making bets, or just going to enjoy the games this weekend. So here is Richard Sherman and George Shahari. All right, here we go. This is uh, let's get excited time, right? I mean, we've got uh, some fantastic championship games. Uh, I'd also like to refer to this as uh, the greatest week of the entire year. It's my first week off. I don't have crap to do. I'm sitting on the beach. I'm boating. I'm playing a little golf. And I'm talking to you guys about championship games that I don't have to do any work for whatsoever. So this is a very good week for me. Uh, just the opposite is when you're a player, Richard. When you're a player and it's the first week out, you're just like in total depression, right? That means you lost a playoff game. That means something went wrong. Right. You're As a broadcaster, eh, not so bad. Right, right, right. You're deciding whether or not to play in this Pro Bowl game because everything just brings back bad memories. So you're just like, <laughs> screw it. Oh, that was the worst. My rookie year, we went to the Super Bowl. I was named to the Pro Bowl, which was one of the great thrills. I, the first time you're named to the Pro Bowl, it's like the great, I, I was so stunned. I didn't even know because it was like week 16 or 17 or what they voted like a week earlier, whatever. And coach uh, Forrest Gregg came out and in the huddle afterwards said, all right, here are the guys that have made the pro bowl. And he read, he read off my name. I was like, what, what, what? You know, I, I just remember being like, I, it was not even on in my stratosphere that that might happen. Uh, but then we go to the Super Bowl, we lose the game, and I go over to the Pro Bowl, and I'm thinking, all right, well, at least it's vacation. And literally every player at the Pro Bowl, all they want to talk about is how you screwed up and lost the Super Bowl. Right. See, but but ours, see, I, I, I didn't get to play in most of the Pro Bowls I was named to, which is crazy. Because you're in the Super oh, that's Bowl. A, that's yeah. a humble brag right there. That is a way humble brag. It, it used to be back in the day you actually got to play both. Playing so. both. That's what I. That's what I, I would have liked. I would have loved to just just get to play in both. You know, I mean, good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, usually I was banged up after the Super Bowl, but it would have been cool to still get to go. All I all I remember about that first one was uh, Don Shula was our coach. The NFC practiced for forty five minutes in their bathing suits, walking around the beach. And Don Shulis had us out there for two hours for three days in full pads. And at one point, Jack Lambert just took off everything. He just took off everything. We're about an hour and a half in. He goes, that's it. I'm done. Takes off his helmet, shoulder pads, his shirt. He's sitting out bathing in this. <laughs> to this day, I love Jack Lambert. And we won by three points. So I, instead of, instead of, 
five grand, I got 10 grand. That was the difference back in the day. Here you go. That's a, hey, that's a lot today. Hey, that was that was the entire week of bills, and I was making 100 grand. So, hey, that was 20% right there, bro. Yeah, there I you was, go. I was all in. And then I made more money doing the superstars than I did playing in the game. So, that was good, too. Anyway, here we go. We're going to go. Uh, this is this is a crazy week. And uh, do you want to get right into the controversy of the day or do you want to get right into some football? Let, let's let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about coaching. And Richard, I'm just going to put this on a tee for you. And because I think, you know, your guy, Robert Sala, got a job with the Jets. Good for him. And you were lobbying hard for him. Uh, but. Other than that, it has not been the greatest of weeks for minority candidates. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because when you're when you're young and it's it's kind of a cultural thing. They say you know in order to be a successful black man, you got to go, you got to be ten times, two times better than than your counterpart just to just to get in the door. Like, and it's it's becoming more and more apparent each hiring cycle there's more head coaching spots available and there's more head coaches that you've never heard of you know that aren't mm -hmm. not that they're not qualified but they're not more qualified than our other candidates you know if you tell me any of those candidates that are that are hired were more qualified than Eric the enemy then then just just lie to my face you know that's that's a bold faced lie you know if you say say Arthur Smith he he pioneered you know he he called the one of the best offenses in football with one of the best running backs in football in uh, Tennessee, then that's understandable. Then he deserves a job. But why isn't it the same for everybody? You know, hey, they're doing a great job. Last year, a special teams coordinator got hired as a head coach. Not that he was overly qualified for the position. You're not seeing him have a ton of success out there in New York. You know, it's not like you're seeing him blow the, the, the doors off and you're not seeing a ton of these coaches blow the doors off. So it's like, it's almost like, if you're a coach of color, you may or may not ever get an opportunity. And if you do, you will only get one. And if you don't blow the doors off, then that's probably it for you. Other coaches, hey, he'll be, he'll be a middling coach. And then, hey, he'll probably get another shot. And he'll get another shot after that. And he'll get another shot after that. But it's so tough and frustrating for these coaches because every year you see it. And every year in a year where, where everything's been brought to the forefront. We got COVID-19. Everybody sees the disparity. And you think, hey, this is... The NFL even made it rule. Hey, if you hire coaches of color, bang, to, to, to encourage it. You know what happened? One gets hired. I think the enemy has, an, has a last-minute interview with Houston. Should have been hired the day that the job came open. I mean, if you weren't going back to, to Romeo Cornell, then bang, take it. It's interesting. Leslie Frazier obviously has an opportunity down there to get that job as well. And, and I love Leslie and he just has done a great job in Buffalo. So I don't want to, I don't want to sit on that parade either, but um, Bienemy is the one that, that we're all talking about. Right. And if you want to, how far can we reach? He, he hasn't actually called the plays. I get that. That's going to be the knock on him. Um, but it's hard to watch that offense. And it's hard to watch what they've created there and not think, I'd kind of like to have somebody that knew how they, A, put it together, uh, and B, how they come up with the game plans uh, of doing that. And you look at Deshaun Watson and you go, and C, at least in Houston, they've got a quarterback that could probably do almost everything, if not a few more things, than what Patrick Mahomes might be able to do to, to run that thing. So... Uh, that's been the struggle, I think, for all of us that um, that, that know Eric and you go, 
I don't know. But it's well, like it's like every other program. Sorry, sorry, George. No, every other program, like the Patriots, the Patriots, the the assistant GM for the Houston Texans was like the chaplain for the Patriots. Like, don't know how he got that job, but anybody associated with that program, with that organization, has gotten a job. The special teams coordinator is a head coach now. The defensive coordinator, then the next defense coordinator, then the next defense coordinator. It's everybody associated with the program, whether they're calling plays, whether they're really involved or not. They, they are involved in the program and they, you would think they have some understanding of the makeup of the program. And that's what you would think they would take with the enemy. Well, and you mentioned the, the whole, like being twice as good thing, the, the number of lengths, the stretches that people make to talk about the deficiencies for Eric B that just get glossed over with so many other candidates. It's really, it's honestly amazing. Like, the one that really strikes me, I agree with the Houston job, you know, certainly, but I think that's got its own set of issues. Like a guy like Dan Campbell, who I, nothing against Dan Campbell, but he's a tight ends coach for, for the Saints, you know, and, and like, let's take a step back and think about the things that are really valuable. This offense has been the best offense for what, four or five straight years. You don't think he's learned anything there? It blows my mind, honestly. I, I am stunned. I, I'm shocked. And at this point, I, I kind of have two questions. The first is like, what would you do to fix this? But secondly, from Biennemi's perspective, why should he go take either of these two jobs? The Eagles are in a kind of disaster and the Texans are, I mean, who the hell knows? You know, Deshaun Watson says he wants to be out of there. It doesn't look like they have any leadership. I wonder if he benefits like Dable does staying the Chiefs are going to be great again next year, and he, you know, can maybe get a better situation next season. Yeah, the Bengals job might be available. Yeah, believe me, I can talk the Bengals into the enemy. I, I'll be right there on their doorstep if that one comes up. It can't be hard to talk someone into one of the the best offensive, you know, co- coordinators in the NFL. Like that, that's shocking. Did anyone watch the Chiefs this weekend? They had Ch- Chad Henney out there throwing the wide open guys I mean right executing it, it's just it's just really sad and it's frustrating because like you said there's no scrutiny there's no no criticism of these other hires there's no hey let's dive in deep and see what the hell who the hell are these coaches you know other than Arthur Smith like who are these guys and, and let's go down the line let's go like a one-year coordinator like they were killing Salah last year. They're like, he mm-hmm. hasn't coached for long enough. He hasn't run the defense long enough. He doesn't deserve a head coaching job because his defense hasn't had year after year success. And then one year of success with the Rams with two of the best players in football, mind you, you know what I mean? Some people, Absolutely. some people say, you know, it, I mean, not that anybody could do it with great players, but great players make, make just about any scheme work. Aaron Donald, you put him on the field. It's going to work. He's going to, he's going to get, get the job done. Um, so it's just one of those things where it's like, man, like when, at what point, I don't know how you fix it. I don't really know how you fix it because they tried to fix it, incentivize and draft picks. And even that I, I don't really feel, feel great about because it's like, it's still not teams wanting to do it. It's like hire the, the guy best qualified for the job. That's all I, I want you to do. I have a great fix. I have a great fix. If I owned a team, I would wait for when Richard Sherman retires and I'd hire him as a GM. I, I really think a lot of it comes down to leadership, right? Like owners who understand what the hell is going on in the world can evaluate talent without prejudice and bias. And then hiring GMs who have the same view. It doesn't, isn't that ultimately what 
fixes this thing? Well, ultimately, I, I mean, I, I'm going to step way out of bounds here and, and say this, but right now there are 33 people in a room, right? There are 33 people that are decision makers in the NFL. Um, and to the best of my knowledge, <laughs> there's not one black man or woman in that room. Um, it changes the dynamic. It changes the conversation. Um, and until that happens, and I've actually talked to the league, people inside the league about that, and they go, Chris, you know, come on. I, how many people have, you know, $3 billion or whatever it's going to take? There's, I can name them, right? So they, they name off, you know, the, the guy who's head of the BET, Oprah. You know, they start going down the list. of people. We've approached them all. We've approached every one of them. And they don't want to end the game. They don't want to pay, you know, da, da, da. And I, I'm like, all right. But it still doesn't change the fact that the dynamic in that room is never going to change until there's representation. Correct. And even, even the discussions we have with them on just about every level, you can see that they don't understand. It, it goes back to the, the social justice issues years ago when, when we started to have conversations it wasn't, it wasn't from like, like, hey, man, they're, they're, they're racist or they, they just want to ignore it. They're, they're just ignorant. They're, they're not, will, not necessarily, some, some of them may be willfully ignorant, so I'm not going to take that from them. But, but some of it, they just are ignorant to the issues. They literally have never seen, never dealt with, never, never been confronted with the issues of, of race in this country. So when, when, when it's blasted in front of their face, it's like, it, it hits them and it's like, dang, this is the first time I've, I've, I've seen this. Is this how it's been? Yes, this is how it's been. We tried to tell you, we tried to say it. So back to the coaching hire, it's another chance for them to, to, to say, hey, not even just social justice and, 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 and equality, just hire the guy best qualified for the job. Let's, let's just go with that. And it's like, you can't force teams to hire anybody, but scrutinize them the same way you're scrutinizing the enemy. If you're going to say the enemy has this deficiency, this deficiency, this, then say that about every coach that's hired and see what it looks like. See how they all line up. And I guarantee you, you'll find holes in just about every hire. The, the right, the wrong, indifferent. If Maybe they go out and win a Super Bowl. Who knows? But it's still, it's unfair. The one, the one thing uh, that, that I'll say, and, and this is just an opinion of mine, and I have no standing to say this so Richard you feel free to shoot it down is that there's a little bit of your emotion inside most of the black teammates that I've ever had right and so when I talk to owners about that and they're you know so I get asked all the time about candidates and da 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 you know and all that stuff and I said to the best of my knowledge I don't know what the exact number is anymore but it's around 70 percent of the players or minority players. And I said, what I have experienced personally is that there is some little bit more of incentive on the part of the, the black players, the minority players in this league to make that coach look good. If, if he has a, a, a black offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator or head coach or whatever, there's just a little bit of added incentive to make that guy successful and to communicate in a way, and, and I, I, I can't explain it. It's probably not true. I have no idea. But it always felt like, wouldn't you want that added percentage of incentive and bonding together to make it work? I, I don't know. 
I, 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 I'd say, you know, I wish it was that easy. I wish it was like that where we could be like, hey, this coach, I'm going to, you know, I've had four off, uh, four defensive coordinators and three went on to be head coaches um, after, I, after we, you know, had our, had our passing. Um, and the only one who didn't was Chris Richard. Um, mm. And it's, it's been frustrating. Now, now it wasn't perfect and, and it wasn't, you know, necessarily our best years of, of, of performing. And that's where it was unfortunate because we didn't have our best years, but he was just as qualified as Dan Quinn, as Gus Bradley, as Salah um, was to, to lead men, to, to go out there and get an opportunity and, 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 and run a team. And it's just really sad uh, because it's just never a fair shot at it. It's never a fair, fair, fair shot at, at the head coaching position, even at GM, you know, at GM, I mean, you would think that more guys would get an opportunity to say, Hey, you know, I mean, take a shot, take a shot, but it's like, you have to be over and beyond. It's like, Oh, he has to have all these qualifications when it's like, this guy was, this guy was on TV his whole entire career. <laughs> The, the unbelievable part, though, is it feels like Eric Bieniemy is over and beyond, right? I mean, it, that's the one that I think for all of us is like, tell me why this is not happening. You know, that's that's the one that I think we're all struggling with the most. It it it's so weird, and I really do think it comes down to, for a man of color at this juncture. They have to, as Richard said, they have to be perfect. And yet we're willing, really willing to accept just about anything, you know, with a the right pedigree from a lot of other candidates. I think about Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell had a winning record for the Lions. Like the Lions haven't sniffed 500, <laughs> you know, with any other coach really around Jim Caldwell. And, you know, he wasn't a rah-rah guy. He didn't have a personality that like lit up press conferences, but there would be plenty of white coaches who, if they had winning records for the lions would be there for 10 years. Yeah. He, he was Tony Dungy. If you want to, if you want to say who personality wise, and of course he spent a lot of time with Tony and anyway, I, I, I think we all get it. I, I, I still think Richard, I still think he's going to get the Houston job. I swear I do. I don't know why. I mean, hell, they were going to have a, a protest. <laughs> they were going to have a rally. Deshaun Watson had to tell everybody, don't go to the rally because they were so insane down there. But let me ask you this, because I, I, I want to ask you, Richard, if you were Deshaun Watson's teammate or Deshaun Watson, would you not say, you know what? If you believe the things you believe about the organization, would you not say, look, they're trying to you know, bring in the enemy now to appease me. They want to keep me. It makes sense. I'm the most valuable thing to the team screw that you know eric don't come to this team i'm leaving like what would that be what you would do is if you were deshaun how would you handle that situation yeah if i was deshaun i'd, I'd get out of there as quickly as possible i'd head to new york um first thing smoking the, G the jets the jets how know? beautiful would that be it would it would be the most beautiful uh decent offensive line they'd have to find threats they'd have to to, to find some offensive weapons um but i think there would be a lot more people excited to be there you know i think the free agency market this year is going to be oversaturated because of the salary cap um mm -hmm. but that's what i would do I, I would i would be out of there on the first thing smoking i wouldn't give him like they're saying he's not answering any texts or any calls i wouldn't either you know he's done he's done everything like he's taken a beating for you guys and and played efficiently like not taking a beating and played bad and blamed it on a bad season he went four and 12 and then threw the ball at 70 percent i believe um mm -hmm. like he did his level of play didn't drop with the team 
Like he didn't, he didn't let the bad team say, Hey, I'm going to be bad too. I'm going to be all pro level and I'm just going to have to do everything I can to help my team win. And we're not winning. Houston's Richard's got to check this out. Check this out. No matter what. Four top five graded quarterbacks in PFF. Okay. Rogers. He's in the final four. Brady. He's in the final four. Josh Allen is number four. He's in the final four. Patrick Mahomes, number five. He's in the final four. You know, who number three is Deshaun Watson. So like that tells you how bad that organization is. I, they're, not only with Robert Sala there leading the group, but also bringing LaFleur's little brother there. Deshaun Watson hasn't had, we saw what Aaron Rodgers did with that kind of offense. When you have a great quarterback taking advantage of that great scheme, I, they could really quickly, I think, both them and the Dolphins with Deshaun Watson become a, an immediate contender, certainly for the division. They would, they would make everybody's life in that division living hell, including Buffalo's, because mm-hmm. it's a sound scheme. It's, they find a couple rushers because everybody, like I said, it's going to be a lot of people on the market this year that shouldn't otherwise be on the market. And they're going to have to take lower deals than they usually would take, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to be able to stack, put a team together. And if he's at the helm, they immediately be, become a contender in not only that division, but in the AFC in general. Now, I wouldn't... Yeah, Houston's got problems no matter what. I mean, if they cave and and trade them, right, the good news is they're going to get draft picks back that they desperately need, that they've squandered away here in the past, right? They could conceivably start over in that way, and that makes a little bit of sense. But now you've traded away your two superstar players in less than one year's time, and who's going to buy tickets? I mean, <laughs> and J.J. Watt, J.J. Watt's out of there too, if that's – I mean – yeah, that, that guy so, deserves. But but if they if they don't cave, you know, and, and they somehow try to force him onto the team, that's arguably a worse situation for Houston. You know, now you've got you've got, you know, people in the streets trying to support getting rid of their quarterback. This is the most unprecedented situation for a football team I think we have ever seen. Where actually the fans are on the side of the quarterback who's trying to leave to get the heck out away from the organization. It's like insanity. Well, so. yeah, but don't, you, don't you think, I think this is a really big moment for the NFL because they have not had, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, Richard, it doesn't feel like they have had a player empowerment moment like the NBA has had, but that this could start to bring that on at least for some of the more premium positions. Do you think that's the case or do you think it kind of goes back and this is a one-off? I think this is a one-off. <clears throat> I, I, it's, it's, I, there's no way, you know, I mean, for quarterbacks, they're the only ones who can force their way out. And, and usually they just force them their way to more money. You know, it's, mm-hmm. they're rarely ever getting them to force their way out. Um, I think this is a one-off because it's such a weird situation, such a, a, a screwed up situation. He's played mm-hmm. so well, you know, and he's acted so admirably under the circumstances. So that's why the fans are still with him. Um, even after Bill O'Brien was GM and head coach and made the mistakes that he made and the, the, the owner stuck, stuck with him. He trade trades at trade after trade after trade, Dwayne Brown, then Newt Hopkins, then, you know, this, and then, then this, and this guy, Tonsil, yeah. Clowney, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for, for, for crumbs, not, not for great players, not for, for like, Hey, first round, two first round picks or for, for fourth round pick, fifth round pick, et cetera, et cetera. Like after he saw that and he endured it, and continue to say the right things, did the right things. He deserves it. Like they almost have to nuke the organization for a few years. Like don't hire anybody because 
No, I mean, whoever it is, is going to be, is going to come in there to lose because they need to rebuild. They, they're not going to compete anytime soon. All right, let's take a little break here to uh, talk about our great sponsor. Huh? We're going to go, um, you know, we've been waiting all season long for these two championship games, but there's something big on Saturday night as well. UFC's most notorious icon is stepping back into the octagon this Saturday. It would be this Saturday, the night before the two championship games. So be sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, and use promo code PFF, that's promo code PFF, for a shot to turn $1, listen to me now, $1 into $257. Then you take all those earnings, you roll it right into Sunday, you're going to be in great shape, you pick a couple of football games, and then you take your uh, bride or girlfriend out for a fancy dinner and you say, hey, it's all because of what happened to me with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. George, right? That she'll never bother you on a Saturday or a Sunday again. I can uh, kind of confirm that. <laughs> yeah. um, You're not it, married. It, Tell me about it. It lasts for like two weeks. And then it's like, uh, you know, I haven't seen you on Sunday in, in, a, in three months. Let's uh, figure this out. But um, I, look, we talked a little bit at the beginning about some of the picks that we've made. I've got a bonus pick for you here because you get the $1. You roll it into 257 on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And then I think my favorite bet of the week, Chris, is Green Bay, Tampa Bay over 50 and a half because it's supposed to be snow showers. That makes people apprehensive. We, we heard Devontae talk about how snow is his best friend. When it snows, you throw. Like this is not going to impact either Rodgers or Brady. So when once you get that 257, then you roll it into Sunday and have a nice Sunday and set yourself up. Super Bowl, I mean, you want to be ready to go because there's so many props. DraftKings Sportsbook app has you covered for all of that stuff. So go download and use the promo code PFF. You turn $1 into 257 just by betting on Conor McGregor on Saturday night. That is, of course, with the DraftKings Sportsbook app and only for a limited time. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Interesting. All right. Well, I know people actually are interested in two football games this weekend. That, that you know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe this is, boy, I don't know. But let's uh, let's break it down a little bit because really we have two rematches, right? We have the two these two teams have uh, played each other. Um, I, I I was doing one of the two teams. I think I was doing. Uh, I can't remember which one now. But I, in I studied this tape, uh, getting ready for my next week's game, and I don't know that I've seen a more bizarre game between Tampa and Green Bay um, is is what we saw in, in that game because Green Bay jumps out to a ten nothing lead in the game. It looks like Aaron and Devontae, they're just cruising up and down the field. There's no problem was whatsoever. And then Tampa started blitzing like crazy, especially their linebackers. Uh, White and David started uh, coming after Aaron. And it avalanched on them. I mean, they they literally, Aaron Rodgers and this great Green Bay offense had no answers. I, I can't remember what the final score was, but something like 38 to 10 or something like that. So 38 unanswered points in this game. Uh, Richard, you've been in every kind of football situation there is by now. What does that mean going forward into this one? 
Absolutely nothing. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Because, I mean, just, just going back to exactly what you said about the Saints Tampa. 38 to 3 was the score that time. Uh, I remember that one. Well, that was the snooze. And you and you said it. You like I've never seen a team get dismantled and dominated more in a football game. And then they came and you realize that playoffs are a different beast. Tom is a tough out. He's not going down quietly into the night. In the playoffs, certain people play well, certain people fold. Now, I think that this will be a totally different game than that. You know, I think they threw their ace in a hole to get the win with those blitzes and those pressures, Green Bay is going to be prepared for every pressure you bring. So that he'll check hot. I mean, if you don't bring pressure, he'll, he'll shred you. But I think it's going to be a much more strategic game. They'll bring pressure. They'll, they'll still um, bring the backers. But I think Green Bay will have an answer for it this time. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. And I don't think it's going to affect their psyche at all. Well, I keep coming back to the conversation you guys had with Devontae Adams, which, by the way, is one of the more interesting conversations I've had the pleasure of listening to. And so that's one of the reasons I've listened back to it. But you asked him about that game. And I thought it was fascinating because it played out when I rewatched the game. They get out 10 nothing, And then when Tampa Bay starts blitzing, Aaron gets that look on his face, which is like, why, why even try here? You know, and that was corroborated by what Devontae said, which was we did not have a, a B, you know, strategy. Like if they were going to come and blitz just all the time, we didn't have a quick game ready to go. And that bore itself out. This blew my mind. Aaron Rodgers has been blitzed 185 times this season. That's sending more than four rushers. He's taken four total sacks. Three of them were in that Tampa Bay game. He has not taken a sack against the blitz since then. So like that completely bears itself out. And so much of these matchups are just about adjustments it seems like the Packers have made those adjustments. Um, and I think that's borne out. I mean, the, the Packers are a three, three and a half point favorite in this game. Obviously it's at home. Um, the weather, let me, let me get an updated weather report because I, I, 28 degrees, snow showers, six mile per hour winds. You hear that, Richard, you hear that snow showers. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, I, I, honestly, it's, it's the receivers from, from Tampa, but, but we're talking about receivers that I think will be better equipped than I would assume the Rams were. Hmm. Um, I don't think Tom's, I think Tom will have every trick in the book. I don't think any quarterback would be more prepared for the snow game than him. Um, all the way back to, to, to the, the, um, fumble throw. Raiders, yeah. Yeah. It's it's the 19 year anniversary of that today, by the way. Oh my gosh, the empty hand, yeah. You got to think about this. He goes from playing AFC Championship 20 years ago to NFC Championship still. Like, if somebody like went into a coma and then you woke up and was like, Tom Brady still going at it? Yes, still going at it. Um, but at least he was smart enough to move down to the warm weather for the end of his career. So I know the feeling. Right, and now he's killing. He he's really killing the rhetoric. And this is sorry, I'm 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 kind of pivoting, but he's killing the rhetoric of of the Belichick, Brady, who's who's more valuable. It's unfortunate, but he is, he's killing it. And and if he goes to the Super Bowl this year, even even now, even with what he's done, period, one year with this team, one year in this scheme, um, Arians' scheme is one of the toughest to be a part of, especially to be efficient in. Um, obviously, he had the weapons, but 
So did Jameis Winston have the same weapons and he didn't go to an NFC championship. And so I think that he's cementing his legacy. Yeah, the, the interesting part for me is with Tampa is that historically the old no risk it, no biscuit, it was a high turnover system, right? It just always was. And all of a sudden you put Tom Brady into it and it's this totally efficient, low turnover. I mean, that's how they won the game. I, 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 I'm watching the game, right? So I'm sitting there on my couch and I'm so damn happy. It's the first day I'm not working the entire year. And I'm watching this game and I'm going, I, I think the Saints are a better team. And they, the, the, but the, they just kept turning the ball over. I don't, the quarterback wasn't up to it, but the the, uh, the the fumble by the tight end really was the one to me sort of set the whole thing off as, as far as turning it back around that led to tying the game. You know, you just, you can't give it away to Tom Brady. Now, Green Bay is not going to do that. Green Bay is not going to hand them the ball. And the one concern I had about Green Bay until I went back and just watched the tape of it, you know, was how was Billy Turner going to hold up at left tackle? And I think the answer was, does it matter? Because the efficiency of what they're doing on this offense now between Aaron getting under center a fair amount, Aaron getting rid of the ball quickly, uh, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams looked great running the ball in that game. Now you're going all play action off of that. And now when when Aaron starts doing what he's been doing for the last two or three years in, in an offense – which is just sort of scrambling around and ad-libbing and making plays. Now when he does that, that has the impact it should have of creating big play opportunities. 100%. Yeah. And that's why, and, and well, I always call it Cal's offense, but it's all the same offense. It's all Bill Belichick, West Coast foundational-based offense. Uh, it's just the receivers are convinced. And that offense, they use the play action to really slow down the pass rush in general, mm -hmm. like, you don't have to have the best tackles in football because Correct. they really have to read through. Like if, yep. if they get hit with outside zone six times in a row, they're not going to assume the seventh time is a, is a play action bomb, you know? And after, if it all looks the same and they always have their running backs trained up for the path to look the same, the offensive lines movement to look the same, they're, they're all coached up well. I think they'll always have an answer to that. And if they don't, then Aaron will communicate. Aaron will create that adjustment. They'll they'll slide. They'll slide to him. He'll chip outside. Aaron will skate around the outside. Like he always has an answer for the rush, especially when he needs a, a deep developing play in the ball. But but you saw it on the the Lazard touchdown down the middle. I mean that was just a pure product of that safety going. I got to get down here and stop the run. Our guys can't stop the run, and you know Lazard runs right by him. I, you know it, it's. It's such a system. I just didn't know what they were going to do on that offensive line. So they plug Patrick into right guard. They leave Wagner over there at right tackle. Uh, Lindsey, of course, is playing great. Jenkins and now Billy Turner. But it was fine. It, it was fine. There, was, there were no issues uh, whatsoever in the protection. And once I saw that, I was like, I, I know Tom Brady's a tough out. But I, I, I mean, I'm already looking forward to Green Bay and Kansas City in the Super Bowl. So that's where I think it's going. Don't wrap but, that up as tightly as you think it's easy. I, I know. I know. Well, so here's something I want to talk about with Tampa Bay because I watched the Tampa Bay game as a with a lot of rooting interest for our our Buccaneers here. Okay, let's just say that. And I came away from that going, do the Bucks score a touchdown without the turnovers? Because 
on plays where they didn't have a short field on drives, they didn't have a short field. I think they scored like three points and it worries me going into green Bay where I don't expect Aaron Rodgers to turn the ball over. Um, Devonte Adams is a much better receiver than anyone that the saints have um, by, by a large margin. Um, th- that offense is the most efficient offense in the NFL for a reason. And I wonder if Tampa Bay's offense is actually as good as we think it was given that they scored 30 points, but I feel like it was a little facetious. Are there, do you guys have concerns about Tampa Bay's offense at all? Uh, I, I guess my concerns were, are, are, are mitigated. Um, you got cause you got to give credit to, to the defense of the saints um, and what Tampa had to do to constrain them. I think, um, I think the saints defense had a lot to do with the disruption on, on of the hmm. Tampa's offense. You know, I think, I think while Green Bay's defense is good, I think there are issues. You know, there are more issues in that defense than in, in New Orleans. Um, and those those weaknesses every year and every time will be exposed in the playoffs. And if they are, they are there, Tom will find them. Now, do I think the Smith brothers will have an impact on this game? I do. But I also think Tampa's offensive line and tackles are really good and they're up for the challenge. Um, so I think – I'm not as concerned as, as maybe you are. I think that the, the thing I'm more concerned about is the Mahomes injury in the Tampa game. I mean, in the Kansas City Buffalo game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, we'll, we'll get on to that in just one second. I, I do want to say, George, one of the PFF notes that, that I, I love the most, and it goes back to what we were just talking about with Arians, is the fact that on 20-plus yard throws this year, right? 20-plus yard throws, Tom Brady is first, 160 or uh, 41 of those, and 1,380 yards. So the big play ability of that offense, which Arians has always brought to bear, uh, is still there. You know, and sometimes it's it's like God only knows. I mean, Tyler Johnson made one of the damnedest catches I've ever seen in a pressure situation. That behind his back shoulder extension, I mean, it was fantastic. And then followed up by Scotty Miller. So we're not even talking about Godwin or Brown or Evans. You know, you've got or Gronkowski. So they have depth there, and it may well be those guys working inside against the linebackers for the Green Bay Packers could have as big an impact on this game as anything those guys on the outside may end up doing. So, it's Especially because, I mean, it's Jair Alexander Island on the outside. Yeah, uh, Richard, you'll appreciate this stat. Jair Alexander allowed negative three yards against the Rams. Now, to your point, the Rams offense had some issues, but that's the only corner to allow negative yards and play more than 30 coverage snaps since uh, 2006, which I thought was impressive but the rest of their defense, not as, as solid. Um, and then Carlton Davis on the other side, another really good corner for the Bucks. I think that with Devontae Adams, that matchup will be really interesting. But I'm curious, Richard, has, has Bruce Arians called you to see if he can get you to come play for them this weekend? <laughs> he has not. He has not okay. called me at all. Because, oh. because I, I'm looking here at, at Aaron Rodgers in games against Richard Sherman Richards played 368 coverage snaps against Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has 13 completions, lowest of any um, against any cornerback, 194 yards, lowest against any cornerback, zero touchdowns. And the man that leads um, 
the NFL history in passer rating has a 53 passer rating when targeting Richard Sherman. So maybe Bruce would, you know, should just poke around, see if it's possible. Just poke around and see if the old CBA will just you know, <laughs> allow us to finagle something for a, a one game. Um, uh, but I, I, honestly, it's it's just like last week. You you were like, it was like such a big deal, you know, with Devonte and and, and mm-hmm. Ramsey. And and I told you guys like it what it it's not going to pan that way out that way because it just never does. You know, it's never nobody plays the game like that except like. New England. New England would have gave you the matchup you wanted. If New England was calling defense against somebody and it was Gilmore against somebody, that's they're going to give you what you're looking for. You're going to get your mm. your, your money's worth. Um, it's going to be majority man coverage. It's probably going to have a safety hovering somewhere near him. But um, but for the most part, most defenses aren't going to call it like that because you put the rest of the defense in jeopardy. Now, could Jalen have stood up in one-on-one? Potentially, you know, but could the whole defense stand up in one-on-one the whole day? that's where you, where you run into those problems. So I don't think that's going to be now Tampa plays more man to man than, than LA did, but I don't think it's going to be every time. And I, I'm not sure that Devonte isn't a corner. I mean, a receiver that you sit in man on, you know, if mm-hmm. you're a good coordinator and I don't think Todd Bowles is going to do that to him. Yeah, I, I just have to give a little love here to uh, the thing that's so much fun for me watching about the playoffs and what I love playing in the playoffs is that every play is just a fist fight that lasts about two seconds after the whistle, right? Everybody's fighting for the ball and punching it out. And I mean, it's just, it's awesome to watch. It's, it's heavyweights, the best in the league going at it toe to toe. But the guy that I thought personified that as much as anybody else in the playoffs this weekend was Devin White. Devin White not only made the brilliant interception in the game, but you could just see that wild-eyed look in his face of, of just attacking the moment. And I thought they looked like a different defense with him back in there. Yeah, they were, they were impressive. I, I will say this. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers, despite the fact that they move Devontae Adams all over the place, is probably happy that, that Richard is not eating up a third of the field. Um, and uh, I think that has, that's going to be where my pick uh, ends up siding is with Aaron Rodgers. I think right now – they're a three-point favorite, but I just think Rodgers is playing so well. I think their offense is more suited to face, to, to deal with anything that is thrown their way. And I, I keep coming back to Devontae talking about playing in the snow, being prepared for the cold weather. Um, so I'm rolling with the Packers. Nobody knows more about beating the Packers in a championship game than the guy who did it a yep. season ago. So lay it on us, Richard. How'd you guys do it? It's pressure. It's pressure, but it, we, we were able to, you know, I mean, you, you, if you can get, if you can get Nick Bosa out there um, in a Tampa Bay uniform, then, then I'm sure it'll <laughs> make a different game for him. Um, but I don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to generate the pressure and, and give him the uh, exotic looks, you know, and be able to mix up the coverage like that. Because when you only rush four, you, you, you could be sound in the back end. When you rush five, you have to have holes, you know, you have to try to cover them up and hope that, in all his years that A-Rod hasn't seen this look before, and he has. Um, and you have to be poised. And in order to, to be poised, you have to be have been there before. And uh, I just don't – he's on a, a warpath, and I don't see him being stopped. Not, not this week. Yeah, it, it, it looks tough for me too. But, uh, man, I, I, I've bet against Brady before and regretted it. So, But I would take Green Bay in this one too. I would, I would give up those points. So, 
All right. Not you're not scared off. You you can make up some ground on me, Chris. I'm just saying. I don't I don't even want to know what my picks are. I, I, now, I, I now know after picking games for two weeks that it's like, like I feel like I'm flipping a coin every week. I, I could you can easily pick either team and I got, I can't even remember who I picked half the time. That's very apt because you're literally fifty percent on the season. That, so that makes sense. You so can I'm, learn I, you I can learn from sell. Richard and I. Oh shut the hell up. Oh my god. If you kiss Richard's ass anymore, I'm going to puke over here. So, all right, here we go. We're going to go to the Bills and the Chiefs as we head down this highway here. We'll probably edit that out, but maybe not. Okay. We got to keep the California boys stay together. Okay. All right. There you go. There you go. Suck up one more time. boy. All right, here we go. We got the Bills and the Chiefs going at it in this one. And, of course, how, how do you get past the top story of the whole game? which is Patrick Mahomes. Is he going to be in there and play? And, and um, you know, I, it's, it, you've got to, I, my gut is always yes, you know, that sure he's going to be in the one in there that's going to do it. I, I thought Jay Glazer had an interesting description of it. He's an MMA kind of expert, right? And he said that basically he got choked out on the play, which maybe he did when you saw it, he had him around his neck and maybe there was some lack of oxygen to the brain. I have no idea. Um, but my gut is that he's playing. Yeah, there's no question. There's no question. He's going to go out there and play, and he's going to look the part. He's going to look exactly like he look, looks in the, probably the first two quarters. Um, it'll be the third and fourth that, that really, you know, define how, how healthy he is because Tordal is a heck of a, it's a, heck of a concoction, um, and it can give you that mixed with testosterone, uh, can give you a, a, a beat, you know, can give you the energy to go for the first – couple quarters but eventually it wears off and you're you're down to your own vices um and we'll see how how, how beat up he is you know on the other side uh it, it, it uh cleveland had a chance in that game you know after that they they got re-energized they kind of they they had a, they had a chance to win that game uh and they blew it but i don't think that josh allen the the pressure that he will apply and 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 i told somebody this before we even had this discussion i said if they, they'll have a scare in the first game, he'll be in a much better rhythm in the second game. By the third game, he'll be comfortable in playoff football. So now I would I would assume he's comfortable as he was in a regular season. It takes a second to get there, especially as a quarterback. So now he knows with the playoff football, the the, the do-or-die nature of it, the speed, the, the precision, the understanding that everybody knows your plays, everybody ex- knows exactly what you're doing, and you have to have some, some, some change-ups off of it. And now I think he will put a lot of pressure on, on that Kansas City defense. Um, their offensive line is, is great. Their max protect looks are great. Um, and, and, you know, Stephon Diggs is having the season he's having. And so I, I don't think this will be like the Browns game was where, where they kind of got out in front. They were pretty comfortable for the most part. Um, I think it'll be a bit of a, a shootout. You know, it won't be a 40, 50 point shootout but it'll be score after score after match of field goal after match of field goal. And if he's not healthy in the third and fourth quarter, uh, it could, it could get away from him. Do you think his toe, so uh, there's the concussion issue and then there's, he, he hurt his toe earlier in the game. To- Romo was talking, he was saying, you know, oh, I think that affected him on some throws to the left mobility, is such a big deal for Mahomes. Obviously, you know, everyone that's played against him has seen that. And we've seen games where, you know, with his ankle last year, like against Indianapolis, Chris, I think you did that game, what the lack of mobility or injury in the lower, you know, part of the body did to Mahomes. 
do you, what is your get like having played obviously through injury before Richard, what do you think about the toe injury? How big of an impact do you think that has? I'm not, I'm not totally sure because I've never played quarterback. So I can't honestly say the, the mechanics of, of pushing off of it that I've felt it. So I won't be able to speak accurately on it. Um, but mentally, mentally it'll wear on, you, you know, but like I said, he'll have the tortoise, he'll have the adrenaline, he'll have the testosterone, he'll have everything going for him early on. Um, later in the game, that'll all wear down and he'll be, it'll just be his toughness that he'll depend on. Um, and that's where, where we'll start to see whether or not he's, he's as badly injured as they said, or he's not, but there's no chance that he's not going to be the quarterback that takes the first snap of that game. Let's talk a little bit about Buffalo. I feel like that they're the great unknown. I just called their last game, so I'm, I'm a little bit up to speed. I'll go through some of the defensive guys just a little bit. And Richard, you can pick me apart when you, uh, when you hear one that, uh, that you have some extra knowledge on or you just think I'm out of my mind. But uh, So Tredavious White, one of the top cornerbacks in all of football, he'll have a starring role as always. I, the one thing that kind of sticks out to me when I was watching him is that Micah Hyde, who came over from Green Bay a few years ago, uh, is is almost a slot cornerback for them. He's almost he was a cornerback uh, converted to safety, so he has the ability to drop down, do some extra things in coverage that the other guys don't. Jordan Poyer, twenty one, is the is more of the free safety, tough guy, captain of the team, leads them in tackles. Uh, is going to be down in the box, you know, if that becomes pertinent at all, which I'm not sure it does. Taron Johnson had the big pick six. The other cornerback slot has been a battle between Levi Wallace and Josh Norman all season. Norman won it originally, but then ended up giving it up uh, because he's had some injuries, hamstring and some COVID and all the different things that happened. So that one's a little unsettled. Matt Milano coming back late. He's really helped him in coverage in there. Edmonds had a really bad shoulder early in the year, was playing like crap early, playing much better right now. But I think what surprised me during the course of that game, of course, Baltimore is a completely different team than Kansas City. Baltimore is built around the run and the power and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I give credit to Leslie Frazier. He said, Chris, we can't match up to him power for power. He said, but I think we have enough speed to beat them up front and we're going to use our speed uh, to get around them and to go make plays. And sure enough, they did. Um, uh, Addison and Jerry Hughes and, and Vernon Butler, this kid, Justin Zimmer, had a real nice game uh, in there. So I think that that's sort of how they're built, but they're really built more to match up against a team like Kansas City uh, as far as, you know, an open field, wide open kind of game. Uh, than what maybe they would have been even at least on paper in my mind when they were matched up with Baltimore. Yeah, I think I, I think they're 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 a great secondary. I mean, the D line has some unheralded names, you know, um, my, some of my Stanford guys, um, Harrison yes. Phillips and and Trent Murphy. You know, uh, Trent Murphy is a is a is a much better pass rusher, undersized, under underappreciated, but will make an impact um, in both the pass and run game. Harrison and is, Phillips had a nice game. He had, he had a good a, game. He had a really good game. He's a really sound player um, and, and, and gets pushed. You know, they're, they're not the huge names. Um, uh, that, that's the good thing about their D-line. They don't have a ton of huge names, um, but they're really good um, at what they're asked to do. And I think that the way they run their zones and the, the efficiency of their safeties and the, and the, the, um, the variety 
um, that they're allowed to, to, to get with the dynamic of, you know, Micah Hyde being able to come down in the box and play like a nickel spot or, or a man-to-man safety. Uh, and then they bring, they bring so many different looks. You, can't, you almost can't tell what, who's playing what outside of Poyer in the post. Uh, and so I think that'll mix it up, but I think they'll be fine. You know, I think they'll be fine. And if Pat Mahomes can't move like he's used to moving, it's going to be a really tough day. There are a couple X factors that I, that I have in this game that, that are on the Kansas city side. Interestingly, I mean, Mahomes, uh, Allen's been great. Diggs has been great, but I feel like people are overlooking maybe a little bit how great Tyreek Hill is, what a matchup nightmare he's going to be. The, the bills are as good as they are on the secretary, not going to have an answer for that. And then on the other side, Tyron Matthew, who, you know, I, I'm, interested to hear you talk about him a little bit rich and all the things that he does but he feels like the reason that defense went from an absolute sieve that couldn't stop new england on like 40 consecutive third downs in the conference championship a few years ago and now as a secondary especially as a pass defense like they're middle of the pack for a team that you know was just awful and he's the guy that continually makes plays he's all over the field um i want tyron matthew on my team in this game. Um, I think he's a big X factor here. Yeah, the landlord is what he calls himself and what they call him, um, and, and rightfully so. He, he's, he, he plays, you know, and I hate to say it because it's, it's, it's cliche and it's simple, but because in their games are totally different, but the tenacity and the speed that they play with is similar to what Buddha does in, in Arizona and what Tyron used to do in Arizona. The, the exception I would say is, is in coverage he is one of the most instinctual and gambling DBs I've ever seen. And he's usually right. And I'd compare him to like, to like Ed Reed in that regard, but he's mm-hmm. playing more in the box, you know, than, than single mm-hmm. high safety. He, I saw him one time and I think they were in a hot two. They were in a pressure. So he was in a hot to two situation. He was in a hot to two drop. So he was taking the special route of three, of three over. And mm-hmm. he was, it was his, that was his responsibility. And he saw the quarterback's eyes, go back to the dig of two and he fell off and intercepted the dig of wow. two. And he, the, the other day he was in a hook and he got the, when he got his interception and he was, it looked like there were two and he was the middle run through. And so he was, he took his, his run through his responsibility and he saw the quarterback setting up and he saw the receiver set up and he jumped the, the, the it was a seam, but the receiver came back and curled up or something. And it was, it's just, remarkable because these aren't the way the plays are drawn up this isn't he's not just oh man he's executing at a high level he's over executing he's creating new plays like when you look on the tape you're not going to be able to say hey man we're going to do this play we're going to get Tyron out of position and we're going to run this because you don't know what he's going to do you don't know how he's going to play it and even last year when we were going to play him our offense was like hey we don't know how he's going to play certain plays so we can't plan around that Mm-hmm. He, he totally set up Baker. Baker was outside and tried to throw back across the middle. And Tyron was probably six yards off of him, but had it the whole way. I mean, you could see he was just begging him to throw it. But the biggest difference with Tyron Matthew, and it's really interesting because Spagnola had a tough decision to make. Matthew's a great blitzer, right? He really is. He's a great blitzer. But he became so valuable hanging around in that lurk position in the middle of the field that they actually had to make a decision whether or not they were going to blitz him, which he does really well, or leave him in the lurk, 
but he was so dangerous in the middle of the field with sort of some freedom to be able to do kind of what he wanted to do, some of the stuff that you were talking about, that they've been unable to get him back to the line of scrimmage and get after the quarterback. Right. It, it's, it's changed their defense totally. It, it, there's, there's no doubt about it. The other kid that, on that defense that has come a long, long way is Legereus Sneed. He's number 38. Legereus Sneed, every once in a while, will walk up and just knock the living crap out of a receiver who tries some little quick move. I mean, he jammed somebody the other day. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, I mean, he almost bench pressed him on that thing. But he has been a little bit of an X factor on that defense. But it, just to go back a little bit, I want to really emphasize the point that some people might be down and missing the point on Buffalo's uh, offense. Obviously, they didn't want to run into Baltimore's, you know, defense that, you know, had just – stopped Henry the week before for 40 yards, which seemed like a good idea, but they really caught a bad break because the wind, Al described it best, it was like wind shear out there. I mean, the punts that were going one direction went up, and I swear came straight down, straight down, and both long passes that were wide open that were missed in that game were both throws with the wind that looked like they just literally were, you know, just riding a wave and never came down to the wide receiver. So short of some catastrophic weather or wind in this game, I think you'll see this Buffalo passing game get back to what they were in the past few weeks here. Which is, which is as dynamic a passing game as you'll see. I mean, I would, I don't think it's uh, crazy that in the final four, we have Mahomes and Kelsey Mahomes and Hill Rogers and Adams Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, great wide receivers who separate as, as well as anyone can and quarterbacks who not only are accurate, but create, you know, outside of structure and allow those guys a second opportunity. Um, I'm not sure Diggs is as good of a season as he's had. And I know he's leading the league in just about everything. I'm not sure he's getting enough credit for how much he's changed that offense. And I agree with you, Chris, I don't think people should be down on the Buffalo offense I here's so I think these these teams are super evenly matched. I even think the Bills are kind of like the mini me Chiefs to a certain degree in the way that they play. But I do think that Andy Reid is a special type of monster. And I think he showed it with with Chad Henney. The way that he went for fourth down, and this was the thing I was going to bring up, Richard, because we kind of had a disagreement on fourth downs last week. He goes for those two fourth downs, one when Chad and he's first, it's his first play in the game. And he called that game. He didn't, he didn't have to change too much for Chad Henney because his play calling, his scheme is so good that he can create open opportunities. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. And I think Andy Reid right now is playing with house money. It's a freedom that is scary, I think, for other teams. And um, I like the X factors that the Chiefs have. I think Mahomes has a little bit of a, not quite a Jordan flu game, but something to that extent. And uh, I think the Chiefs win by three or more. What are you thinking, Richard? Who are you liking this one? I, I, I... <laughs> it's hard. I'm telling you, it's hard. We're lucky. We're lucky that we have these matchups, man. I, I think that, I think that Buffalo's a tough out. And I think that, I think that Josh Allen is coming into his own. I think he plays the best, his best game of his entire career. 
um, against Kansas City. I think he makes some off-schedule unorthodox plays, similar to what Pat Mahomes has done to get Kansas City to the claim they have. Um, I think that Pat Mahomes um, toughs it out and, and soldiers his way through this game. Um, but but if he has a serious injury, it's, 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 it's going to kind of wear on him throughout the game. And it's going to make some of the plays that have been routinely amazing for him uh, much more difficult. And uh, I got Buffalo. Love it. Jo- Josh Allen, you cannot forget what he can do running the football. This guy is a monster running down the field with the ball. Uh, and we saw when they played Tennessee last year, maybe the biggest play of the game was Patrick's run you know, right before the half that he was able to do it. Um I, I'm going to chicken out, and I'm going to stay with Kansas City, though. I, and there's a guy on the, that team that really has just impressed me here lately, and it's McCole Hardman. You know, that you have so much you have to worry about with uh, with Kelsey and Hill. Um, and then you get contributions from other guys. But I think there's I think Hardman has, has sort of taken over a little bit of that soft motion, you know, quick pass-by passes and – speed element that makes it tough. And I think Edward Delaire is going to be back for this one. Is he going to be back or not back? I think there's a chance. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Le'Veon Bell, I was surprised had such a limited role in the game and really seemed to be a little bit of a non-factor uh, in that one, but this is a big moment. Uh, and uh, you know, and you might be right, uh, but history, my history tells me I want to see, I want to see it once, right? I, I want to see I want to see Allen on the road in this kind of situation against this defending world championship football team. It doesn't mean it won't happen. I mean, because I, I think they have fantastic weapons. And maybe the X factor in this game is John Brown is starting to get back, you know, and everybody's not even thinking about him. And oh, by the way, they developed this kid, Gabriel Davis, who didn't play great in the game the other day. He had a couple of chances, but the game before Gabriel Davis was unbelievable. So, I mean, there's, there's some definite X factors to this thing. Um, but I got to see it. <laughs> I mean, you got, you got to show me, I got to see it. I think, um, but you can't forget about Cole Beasley. You can't mm-hmm. forget about like, there's so many more weapons and just like, just like with, with Kelsey and Hardman and Tyreek and, and Sammy, and, you know, you can't forget both sides have a ton of weapons. Now, now I'm not saying uh, Cole Beasley is the same kind of weapon McCole Hardman is, you know, not by no means. But I'm just saying that if Chad Henney's that quarterback. Oh, but now it's a different story. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and, and, and so you're not guaranteeing me that, that, that Pat Mahomes is going to start and finish this game, you know, with, with him coming in already banged up. It's hard for me to go with him. Yeah, no, I, Richard, Richard makes a really good point. And the market is adjusting to that. You know, the, the Chiefs are only a two and a half point favorite here, which tells you that there is real reason to be worried about Mahomes. And, and I don't think that should be overlooked, um, o- overlooked here at all. So this is going to be fun, man. I, I love the fact that there can be legitimately two great arguments for either side winning this game and going to the Super Bowl, it's going to be great. And either game, you know, generally in the championship games, we have one seven point favorite at least, and both of them are right there. So uh, it's been an unprecedented year in so many different ways. 
but I think it's almost like the NFL got it right. We've got the we've got the right teams here. We've got the the right quarterbacks here. Um, and it's going to end up being a fantastic finish, I do believe. They just got to figure out how to hire coaches now. Yeah, that, that, part, that part. Are you going to have the same four, five, six teams in it every year like you've been? Yeah. Well, no. if uh, if Watson moves, we'll have another we'll have another contender. That's for sure. Oh my gosh, how much would the league love Deshaun Watson going to New York City? Oh my God, oh, there there would be nothing they love more. Oh, they would go crazy. They they need something to happen there with the Jets in the worst way. So. Give uh, give Roger a call, Chris. I just got finished with a long conversation with the gentleman, so I'll keep I'll keep most of that private. But I'll say it was a very interesting. Another very interesting conversation. So anyway, Richard, as always, you're fantastic. Thank you, sir. Uh, George will, will pucker up and see you again next week. And You're uh, just jealous of the record. I get yeah, it. I, I get it. I am. I am. I am. But we will see you, sir. Have a fantastic week. You too. You too. See you guys soon. See, see you, George.